What I love about Nicole, she is a mother who plays, really plays. What I love about Charlie, he loves being a dad. He loves all the things you're supposed to hate, like waking up at night. She knows when to push me and when to leave me alone. He never lets other people keep him from what he wants to do. It's not easy for her to close a cabinet. He's incredibly neat. She's brave. He's brilliant. She's He's very, very competitive. competitive. You have found the Thinking Mind podcast. Today, I'm going to be doing an analysis of the movie Marriage Story, because I thought what better way to celebrate Valentine's Day than to analyze the breakdown of a relationship. Marriage Story is a Netflix movie that came out in 2019. It's the 13th film by Noah Baumbach, a director I'm a big fan of. And I'm a big fan of this film too. I think it's psychologically very true, the way the characters come across and the way the plot unfolds and I I think there's a lot to be learned from it. So what am I going to talk about? I'll I'll do an overview of the plot of the movie and then I'll do an analysis of why I think the marriage broke down and then I'll talk a bit about how the backgrounds of the characters may have influenced their relationship choices and how they came together but also how how the couple came apart. And then I'll talk about what are the take-home messages from this film? What can you learn from this film? So getting into the plot, the start of the film is misleadingly idealistic. Charlie and Nicole are describing in two separate montages the things that they love about each other. Uh, and then we realize that actually they're in a mediation session for divorce. And the reason why that they're saying these positive things about each other is because it's an exercise Uh, set for them by their divorce mediator. The intro really takes its time to sort of flesh out the characters here. Now, the interesting thing is that at the beginning of the movie, Charlie and Nicole are still living and working together. Charlie is a a film director who has his own theatre company, and Nicole is an actress in that theatre company. And like I said, despite the fact that they're getting divorced, they're still living and working together and you already get the sense that they must be quite, their lives are quite enmeshed. In the first act of the film, Nicole moves to Los Angeles from New York in order to do a pilot of a television show. We learn that Nicole was actually a famous actress before she met Charlie and that she had starred in a, like a blockbuster movie, but then eventually felt too much pressure from Hollywood, married uh, Charlie, moved to New York and then established uh, a career under Charlie's theatre company. As the film progresses, they still remain very friendly with each other. But then eventually Nicole hires a divorce attorney because she feels like things aren't really progressing. And the divorce process becomes more hostile and and filled with conflict. Charlie seems to be in denial really about how bad the divorce process can get. He initially hires a lawyer who's very nice and wants the best for both of the both of them but then eventually he hires his own sort of shark of a lawyer and the divorce process descends into what's called a street fight in the film. Uh, Things culminate about an hour and a half in 
and Charlie and Nicole have a fight on screen, which is now, I think, quite famous in terms of a couple of fights in a film. And that's really where things peak in terms of conflict and, and hostility. And then despite all that, what you see is that they actually manage to salvage some kind of friendly relationship towards the end and they manage to have a divorce ultimately, which is quite amicable, largely for the sake of their son, Henry. So what caused the breakdown of their marriage? It sounds like the dynamic between Charlie and Nicole, the to one, where Nicole was more passive and made less decisions and was less self-oriented and more other-oriented, more oriented towards other people, while Charlie was more in control. And it sounds like the marriage moved to the beat of his drum. This is a dynamic that people often fall into. At an extreme, this is called codependence, when someone is too other-oriented, and narcissism, where someone is too self-oriented or too self-absorbed. And I wouldn't go so far as to say that Charlie is a full-on narcissist or that Nicole is a full-on codependent, but they definitely have these traits to a degree. What Nicole says in the movie is that she was really attracted to Charlie's vitality, his creativity, his determination, his ability and his willingness to get things done and to move towards a goal. And you can see how that would be attractive. But as the marriage progresses, what happens is that she loses a sense of self. She says that she feels like she stopped belonging to herself. And when the pilot for the Los Angeles TV series came along, she describes that as a lifeline, essentially as a way to get a bit more ownership of her life. What happened then is that Charlie seemed unable to grasp its importance to Nicole and he seemed to be a bit jealous and not only was he jealous but he he diminished the project seeing as not not uh, as good as his sort of high art high culture theater productions and what was the last straw for Nicole was when Charlie saw the pilot as a means to make more money for his own theater company to serve his own goals and that was just too much for Nicole and at that that point she decided to leave him and Nicole also mentions that Charlie had an affair which obviously isn't isn't going to help things and what's interesting about this is one of the things that attracted Nicole to Charlie in the first place so his ability to be in control was eventually as Nicole got older one of the things she found too difficult because she realized that she wanted more ownership and more control over her own life which is not uncommon as people do get older. From Charlie's point of view, it seems like he was completely unaware of the degree to which Nicole was compromising herself and compromising her values, her desires, her goals in order to sustain the relationship. And that, of course, is quite common with people who have a a tendency towards self-absorption They don't necessarily realize the needs of people around them in a deep way. And so when conflict erupts, when Nicole decides to leave Charlie, and really you see it at every point where where impasses are encountered between the couple, Charlie is totally surprised. He's totally unaware that 
any of this stuff was was going on for for Nicole, and he sees every attempt by Nicole to to set a boundary as a direct threat to himself, as an as an insult, which is quite common with people who are somewhat self absorbed or who have narcissistic traits. They see other people's attempt to set up as a, a healthy boundary as an imposition or as a judgment about them and their lack of value. You see this most clearly in the big argument uh, an hour and a half in where both both Charlie and Nicole end up saying very hurtful things to each other and it's clear that they're at that point they're just saying things for the sake of inflicting pain on, on the other person because they themselves are, are quite hurt. Being so much like your father. Do not compare me to my father. I didn't compare you to him. I said you were acting like him. You're exactly like your mother. Everything you're complaining about her, you're doing. You're suffocating Henry. First of all, I I love my mother. She was a wonderful mother. Just repeating what you told me. Secondly, how dare you compare my mother to my mother? I may be like my father, but I am not like my mother. You are. And you're like my father. You're also like my mother. You're all the bad things about all of these people. But mostly your mother. When we would lie in bed together, sometimes I would look at you and see her and just feel so gross. I felt repulsed when you touched me. You're a slob. I made all the beds, clothes, all the cabinets, picked care of you like an infant. Makes me want to peel my skin off. You'll never be happy. And now lay her anywhere. You think you found some better opposite guy than me, and in a few years, you rebel against him because you need to have your voice. But you don't want a voice. You just want to fucking complain about not having a voice. I think about being married to you and that woman is a stranger to me. I mean, we had a... Child's marriage. You've gone back to your life before you met me. It's pathetic. People used to tell me that you were too selfish to be a great artist, and I used to defend you. They were absolutely right. All your best acting is behind you. You're back to being a hack. You gaslighted me. You're a fucking villain. If you want to present yourself as a victim because it's a good legal strategy, fine. But you and I both know you chose this life. You wanted it until you didn't. You used me so you could get out of L.A. I didn't use you. You did, and then you blamed me for it. You always made me aware of what I was doing wrong, how I was falling short. Life with you was joyless. What, so then you had to go and fuck someone else? You shouldn't be upset that I fucked her. You should be upset that I had a laugh with her. Do you love her? No, but she didn't hate me. You hated me. You hated me. You fucked somebody we worked with. You stopped having sex with me in the last year. I never cheated on you. That was cheating on me. But there's so much I could have done. I was a director in my 20s who came from nothing and was suddenly on the cover of fucking Time Out New York. I was hot shit and I wanted to fuck everybody and I didn't. And I loved you and I didn't want to lose you. But I'm in my 20s and I didn't want to lose that too and I kind of did. And you wanted so much, so fast. I didn't even want to get married. Fuck it. There's so much I didn't do. (laughs) Thanks for that. You're welcome. I can't believe I have to know you forever. You're fucking insane. And you're fucking winning. Are you kidding me? I wanted to be married. I'd already lost. You didn't love me as much as I loved you. What does that have to do with L.A.? So what is it about these characters' backgrounds that may have influenced them to become who they, who they are and who, who they've got into a relationship with? 
We don't actually know a huge amount about the background of each character, but we know enough. So we know that Charlie grew up in a household with alcohol and violence and that he's not close with his parents. And so you can see Charlie's self-absorption, his tendency to want to control events is probably quite a rational response to the early environment which he grew up in. It makes sense for a child whose parents aren't able to take care of them to develop these very controlling traits, to want to be able to alter the environment as they please as much as they can, and to also to be quite self-oriented because they don't have parents that are going to be looking out for them to the same extent that other parents might look out for their children. For Nicole, again, we don't know a huge amount, but we know that her mother is an actress. From the brief glimpses of her mother that we get in the film, she seems quite self-absorbed and she seems quite controlling as well. And interestingly, she really idealizes Charlie and continues to idealize Charlie throughout the whole movie. And so you get the sense that the dynamic between Nicole and her mom is quite similar to the dynamic between Nicole and Charlie in that Nicole is the more passive one, the one that is controlled, and her mom is the controller who uh, calls the shots. The other interesting thing, of course, is that Nicole is an actress and it's the, the nature of that profession is to some extent to be controlled and Charlie is a director and the nature of that profession is to be the one in charge and to be the the one in control. So in all likelihood, the relationship with her mom, we don't know much about the relationship with her dad, but Nicole's relationship with her mom was kind of a template for her future romantic relationships. It is likely that unconsciously she looked for these controlling uh, elements in a, in a partner and that's what she found in, in Charlie. So eventually, despite things becoming quite acrimonious in the second act of the film, things actually take a turn for the better towards the end of the movie. Despite the fact that many horrible things are said and, and many fights are had, Charlie and Nicole, they manage to distance themselves from each other enough so that they're no longer fully enmeshed and they can maintain a kind of cooperative relationship, a friendly relationship, and they can properly look after their son, Henry, and they can manage to move on with their lives as well. The other thing I want to mention about this idea of codependence versus narcissism is they're both responses fundamentally to a feeling of not being good enough. They're both defenses, but they're defenses which run in opposite directions. So codependence is... I, I don't feel good enough, therefore I must devote my life to other people. And narcissism happens when people don't feel good enough and therefore as a response they decide actually no, they're uniquely special, they're uniquely gifted, they're uniquely important and entitled. And codependent and narcissistic people have a tendency to be attracted to one another because they're kind of at opposite polarities. And a, a really interesting book you can read about this is Human Magnet Syndrome by Ross Rosenberg. So what did, what's good about this movie is that 
this really shows characters who are very real and three-dimensional. There aren't really obvious heroes or villains, but rather the film really shows how people's personalities can often collide with each other in ways that are predictable but unhelpful. People who have a history of being controlled might find themselves attracted to people who have a controlling tendency. It doesn't mean anyone's good or bad, but this is but this is something that both parties have some responsibility for. And really, th- this movie is about both characters taking responsibility. Nicole is taking responsibility more for her own life. And Charlie is taking more responsibility for how his actions affect others, like Nicole and, and his son Henry. The other thing the movie illustrates nicely is how people have ongoing needs for psychological growth across their life. People don't stop growing just because they get married. Marriage isn't a static thing. It's a the relationship even within a marriage is dynamic. Both parties keep evolving and so it's not uncommon that, that the reason for a marriage breakdown is that one or, or both parties in the marriage grow to such an extent that the relationship can no longer function with the same dynamic that it used to, which might have been the very dynamic that attracted the two people to each other in the first place. The other thing that the, the film shows is the way that the darker aspects of people's nature, which they don't like to necessarily admit to themselves that they're not necessarily conscious of can really come out under pressure and stress and difficult situations. And that, again, is most clearly seen in the fight scene uh, an hour and a half in. On a non-psychological note, the film shows just how difficult family court can be and the legal process when people are getting divorced can be so hard on people. And often it seems like the only people who who really benefit are, are the lawyers themselves. So that was my attempt to analyze marriage story. I hope you found it useful. As always, tell us what you think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Tell us what films you want analyzed. If you like this kind of film analysis, do check out our other clip about St. Maud, a relatively new horror film, which we analyzed a few clips ago. As always, thanks for listening and happy Valentine's Day. You are listening to The Thinking Mind Podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love it if you share it with a friend or you can give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. If you fancy it, you can even buy us a coffee to support the team and the links for that will be in the show notes. Thanks for listening.